Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode one of Excuse My Rage. I'm your host, Emma Isaac. For our first episode, we have a very special guest, Daniel Carr Crawford. Daniel, who I will be referring to as Dan, is a programmatic specialist at Google. He is a media savant, a programmatic genius, and an all-around great human. I consider him to be one of my mentors and a friend. So without further ado, Dan, hello, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and especially for being guest number one. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. I'm honored that you'd want me as your first guest. This is super cool. I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you and, you know, hopefully we can just share some knowledge and have a good time. Thank you so much. We're definitely going to share a lot of knowledge. For some background for everybody, Excuse My Reach is really the ultimate informational interview. So like I said, Dan is a programmatic specialist at Google. So he is going to give us some of his industry knowledge, just generally, some of his knowledge about starting his career. So we're going to get right into it. I want to just say that why I wanted Dan to be my first guest is because like I said, he, you, Dan, have been a mentor to me. And how we even started this mentor-mentee relationship is that I reached out to him right out of college. And I thought, you know what? This guy, he went to the same school as me. We both went to the University of Southern California. I saw that connection on LinkedIn. And he had a job that I thought was incredibly aspirational. So I thought, I should just reach out to this guy because he seems like he has his life together. So there is clearly a lot to learn. And from that initial conversation, we just kicked it off. We have monthly one-on-ones where we check in with each other career life, personal life. It's just been a really great relationship that we've been able to have over these now. I don't even know. How long has it been? Three years? We're coming up on three years. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, I think COVID kind of accelerated that timeline, but... Definitely, definitely. All right, well, let's get right into it. I really want to first talk about your profession. Obviously, people here... This guy works at Google, right? That's a really big brand name. Everybody knows that company. But not everybody understands what a programmatic specialist is. That's a very kind of niche career, I would say, for those that don't know about it. So in your simplest description, think about if you were at a career fair and somebody asked you what your job is. How would you explain it to somebody that doesn't know anything about it at all gosh okay that's a great question i would say that in my role i work with clients to help them maximize their ad revenue across google's marketing platforms Um, there's a number of ways that we do this but i basically function as a consultant for some of our larger clients um, and i meet with them on a daily weekly basis And, you know, I'm always just trying to help them understand our products, our platforms, and and really just trying to help them get the most out of the money that they're spending with us. So I think that's the highest level I could could say that at. 
Okay, very cool. And did you know what your job was before getting into your job? Obviously, Google was not your first job. So I guess before this job at Google, did you have a sense of what this was or how did you even really find out that this job exists? I mean, I think that question takes me back to the beginning of my career. Um, Coming out of college, I was a journalism major who did not want to pursue a career in journalism. I knew that marketing and advertising was interesting. So I found a job at a small marketing and advertising agency in West LA. Um, it was it was rough because I was making hardly any money and commuting from my parents' house to the agency each day, two and a half hours each way, brutal. Um, but there I really learned the basics of online advertising through Facebook, through Google, Yahoo, and a number of other platforms as well. I really buffed up my skills and understood the online ecosystem you know, what works for different types of clients and so on and so forth. Um, And in that, I discovered the world of programmatic advertising, which is an offshoot of all of this, but a very lucrative one for brands, hence why they put so much money into it. And from there, um, I took a number of programmatic roles at other agencies before I got the job at Google. And for our listeners who may not understand the ecosystem of the advertising media world, can you kind of explain where your clients come in, where agencies come in, and then how that differs from a site like Google and how that would come in? Yeah. So when I was at agencies, I was focused on, you know, driving performance for our clients, defending the business. Um, making sure that you know we weren't ever up for review, driving strategy forward with our clients and whatnot. Um, just the role of an agency is very different because they kind of act as a liaison between the clients and the advertising giants of the world, like the Facebooks and Google of the world. So we were always kind of straddling that balance between working with you know the large advertising companies and working with the clients to meet the needs of everyone in between. Whereas Google, I'm primarily focused on what's best for the client and what's best for us. We aren't thinking about necessarily like having to be a middleman per se. We always obviously are always thinking about what's best for the client, but because we have such powerful technology that can bring so much value to them, we are focused on making sure that they get the most out of that. So it's a little bit different of a role. Um, I'm focused more on the tech side of things as opposed to purely just the programmatic um, and ad tech side of things. That's really, really amazing that you've been able to have both experiences and kind of had your hands in all of these different elements of this industry. I want to bring it back a little bit to your first job, your very, very first job. Dan, a young sprout out of college. Let me get my foot out there. Let me get my foot in the door. Walk us through the process of even finding that first job, identifying how you were going to get that first job, who to talk to, how to apply yourself, all of those initial steps. So it was hard. It was really hard because I came out of college not knowing what direction I wanted to go in. I did not get this job until three months after graduating, 
which felt like an eternity because I was making no money. I didn't know what direction I was going in. Um, I was able to get a foot in the door through a classmate at USC at the time. She worked at this company and got me an interview for a role on her team. And so I went in, got the job. It was very, you know, rudimental. I didn't need advertising and marketing experience. I just needed to have an open mind and be willing to learn as they always tell new grads, you know, just come in and be willing to learn and apply yourself. Right. But all of that was also exacerbated by the fact, like I said earlier, that I was commuting so far for this job every day. I was getting up at, gosh, 5.15, 5.30 in the morning, hitting the road no later than 6, getting to the office at 8.30 and sitting at stop and go traffic in Los Angeles County. I don't know if, if y'all have ever experienced that, but it is soul-sucking. It's horrible. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> um, I would come in tired. I would leave and get home tired, you know, no time to really eat healthy or work out or really prioritize my well-being. So it was really difficult to to sort of um, apply myself in the way that I know how to. It, it really took until I finally moved out of my parents' house, which is about seven months into this job, where I was able to like really lean in and start seeing myself grow. It took so long because I wasn't making very much money, so it was very challenging to move to a place in West LA when you're making as little as I was at the time. But um, it, I, I really just had to hunker down and, and just kind of deal with it at the time. You know, I would try to either listen to podcasts or, or music in those two and a half hour drives just to like, d- depending on if I wanted to keep my mind engaged or if I needed to just zone out after a stressful day, um, it really just depended. But um, it was a very challenging period of my life. I'm very happy that I went through with that and I came out on the other side, but, you know, would never do it again. Wouldn't wish that on anybody because, you know, it, it just, you can't prioritize yourself at all. And at the end of the day, if you can't prioritize yourself, you know, other aspects of your life, including your career, won't pan out the way you want them to. That's an incredible point. From that extremely tough experience that you had initially, what was it that allowed you to continue on within this same industry? And did you figure out or when did you figure out how you were going to get yourself out of that state, out of that specific situation, and then take the next step in both your career and within your just life to try to get yourself in a different headspace and just better yourself in all directions? I I would say for that particular job, Um, yes, I moved out and yes, life got better when I moved out. You know, I got a promotion. I was able to actually like think and strategize better and and, and learn more as a, as, as much as a, you know, 23, 24 year old can at the time. But, um, I saw that there was a very, there was very limited room for growth on my team and in that agency and, you know, being young and hungry, I, I knew I wanted more. Um, I, absolutely loved everyone that I worked with there and a lot of those people I still work with to this day Um, so I appreciate their help and their guidance and support but I also knew I had to look out for myself and and that's that's the biggest thing Um, you've always you know like I said prioritize yourself that includes putting yourself first you know a company is a well-oiled machine in many cases they aren't going to think twice about an employee leaving or if they have to uh, cut somebody, fire somebody, 
you know, it, it's, it's nothing to them because it's just another line item for them. It's just more overhead. So I just put myself first and one of my old colleagues left that job for a job that I thought was interesting. I eventually followed her there about five or six months later and it just opened up my world that much more. I was at a much larger agency. I was meeting all kinds of different people, being exposed to much larger clients and dealing with different types of pressures and stresses, both good and bad. And it just helped me, you know, see the forest for the trees in that I learned a lot of fundamental skills at my first job that I still carry with me to this day. But seeing what else was out there really helped me visualize where I wanted to be and where I wanted to go with this newfound skill set that I developed over the last, you know, few years post-college. So That's all really incredible. And you talk about your connections, being able to aid you in getting your next opportunity. How do you feel like you're able to best optimize those connections and continue to create connections? And a twofold question to that, what do you feel like is the best way to leave a job, to still maintain those connections, to still maintain a positive relationship with your previous employer? So I, I, what I'm about to say I recognize does not apply to every industry, but this has helped me a lot. In the marketing and advertising industry, particularly in Los Angeles, things are very casual. And yes, we are doing business with each other. It's easy to get to know someone at a more personal level. There's lots of dinners, drinks, and just events sponsored by different industry collectives in town. So you really do get to know people well. And a number of my closest friends in this city are people that I met at work or people that you know I operated with in terms of they were trying to sell me their ad products and so on and so forth. So that help keeps things light where you know we're hanging out, we're we're having fun, but then you know if we need to help each other out, then we can easily go to each other and be like, hey, I saw this opportunity or hey, I need some advice. What do you think about X, Y, and Z? So for me, I try to keep it light and keep it easy. Um, it, it, it definitely helps keep those lines of connection open. There are people that I haven't spoken to in you know a few years. Um, some people have reached out to me earlier this year that I hadn't spoken to in a few years, and I was so excited to hear from them. Gladly put like a lunch, you know, drinks on the calendar, just you know, just to shoot it, just to hear what they were up to, and you know how I could help them, how they could help me. Um, that that's been the biggest success for me in terms of keeping my network open and growing. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's great. I think that's really useful advice for people to hear too, to kind of understand the importance of connections mm -hmm. and how maintaining those checking in on past employers or previous coworkers, it makes a ton of difference, you know, just to be able to progress your own career, but also just to maintain those relationships. For you, aside from those connections, what other resources did you feel like you've tapped into to get every single job that you've had since your first job? For me personally, I have relied heavily on those connections. And I don't say that to take away from my own skill set. I know that I'm good at what I do. I wouldn't be where I'm at if I wasn't good at what I do. But I also recognize that, you know, each job that I've gone to is the, the direct result of me kind of following 
somebody who I worked very close with who was able to advocate for me into that next job. And each one was a promotion for me, it was a pay raise, and it helped me develop new skills and helped me navigate new sources of ambiguity that I wouldn't have had in my previous job. So it was always a, a stepping stone in a very positive way. I, I say that in the best way possible. Um, the funny story is that my Google job, um, I, I actually am on the same team as the woman who hired me out of college at the first job. Um, we still work very closely together. She's, you know, I consider her a good friend. Um, she's a fantastic person. And she helped me navigate that interview process. She helped me um, understand what it was like on the team. And I'm, you know, I'm very thankful for her for helping me get into this job. But that's just one prime example. I met her eight years ago. She hired me, plucked me out of college as a little youth. <laughs> and then, you know, fast forward, what, four and a half, five years later, and I'm going through the Google interview process because I had cultivated that relationship so well. That's really amazing to have people advocate for you, but also the longevity of that relationship. I'm sure that's amazing for her to see you grow so much in your career as well. I, I like to think so. I, I hope that she has enjoyed that. But I also got to say that I would not have, you know, half the development that I have had without her support and guidance throughout the years. And I really do appreciate her for that. I'm going to bring it back to the second question that I originally asked a couple questions back, which was just, how do you feel is the most appropriate way to leave a job to maintain those connections? Just so, you know, you don't want to burn bridges. You want to maintain those contacts. But at the end of the day, you have to keep moving forward in your career. So how is the best or easiest way to navigate that that you found? I wouldn't say there is an easy way. For me, it's always been like ripping off a Band-Aid. I'm always very respectful about it, obviously. You know, even if the job is not, you know, to my liking or I'm not, you know, enjoying myself, I'm always going to be respectful of the opportunity and, you know, listen to what they have to say and, you know, listen to their considerations about, you know, hey, do you want to stay and whatnot. At that point, I've obviously made up my mind. But at the very least, you know, I'm going to show my consideration because they didn't have to take me onto the team. So I think it's, you know, about approaching it with respect and with grace, but also holding firm in your beliefs and knowing that this is no longer the right fit for you. Either you've outgrown it or maybe just wasn't a good workplace. Whatever the case, making sure that you hold to those beliefs and making sure that they understand that this is a decision that you need to make for yourself. Um, if it's a toxic workplace, that's a whole other story. I don't really have um, necessarily advice for that necessarily, but I, I, I do think that, you know, making sure that you're sticking to your guns and, and really making sure that they know where your head's at is important to maintaining positive relationships. That's great insight. And I think too, to remember that most people have had to do the same thing as you, right? Most people have been in the position of having to leave a job or wanting to leave for that next opportunity. So people get it. I think you're right. Just going about it in a really respectful way right. and making sure that they know that you're really appreciative of the time and resources that they've put into you. I will say that leaving a job may be a risk, right? 
So jumping into that next opportunity, it could be a risk. Sometimes the grass is always greener on the other side. For you personally, what do you feel like is maybe one of the biggest risks in your career that you feel like you've had to take? Or maybe it's not even that big, but one that you feel like influenced you quite a bit. Honestly, it was that first job. That was by far the biggest risk I've taken because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. You know, a lot of people will study something at college and then go into a major that's at least, or not a major, excuse me, a job that's at least tangentially related to their major. And I had had advertising internships and marketing internships, but they didn't prepare me at all for what I was about to jump into with that first job. You know, it's your first corporate workplace. You're commuting a long way. You're learning an entirely new skill set that, you know, school doesn't teach you, internships don't teach you. So you're really starting from scratch and there isn't a playbook to really deal with that. You really have to think on your feet and um, understand how to read the room effectively and understand who like, you know, the key power players within your division, within your company are. That's hard to do when you're 22, 23 years old. So I, I, I think that um, I, I think that was the biggest risk I've taken and everything since then has been kind of built on top of that because that really established my foundation, it established my confidence, and it allowed me to know that no job, no situation is too big for me. I can come in, I can learn, I can really just thrive. And um, you know, I, I've seen that throughout my career progression and I have obviously have a long way to go, you know, still only 30, but got, you know, lots of lots on my mind on, you know, what's next. So, well, what a great lesson to be able to learn. And you know, risks, they often pay off. But I will say, playing it safe also has its benefits as well. So, can you give me an example of something that you feel like was a play it safe moment for you that you're glad that you kind of took a step back for a second, maybe overthought a decision in a good way and not taken that leap too soon? Yeah. There aren't a lot, but I think in general, the last two years have been total upheaval, right? There's been so much chaos in all of our lives and we're just starting to get to some semblance of normalcy across the board, which is amazing. I think for me, part of playing it safe was really sticking in my current role at Google. And, you know, I I think to a certain extent, there is a lot of protection there, depending on what organization you're in, because it's such a large company, you know, even during the pandemic, Google was doing very well. Um, So I knew a lot of people who were looking at jobs, who were jumping around and, you know, really pushing themselves in, in different ways for, for their own personal reasons. And for me, the pandemic was just so rough, so stressful. Um, dealt with a lot of anxiety during that time that I needed to control what I could control. And I knew that I was good at my job. I was confident in my job security. And I did not feel the need to make any sort of move at the time. It was just, let me just maintain where I'm at, maintain my standard of life. You know, I'm cooped up here in my apartment. I don't need to like uproot things and leave my job and potentially go into a terrible situation when I'm already 
in a terrible situation in the state of the world, right? So yes, that's playing it safe. It's a great place to be, but I don't regret having you know those thoughts and having those feelings at all. Um, I, I would do the same thing again, and you know more power to the people who did leave their jobs and found great new opportunities for themselves. I think that's awesome, and you know maybe in a different circumstance I would consider that. But overall, I'm pretty happy and. Just again, given the upheaval in the world, I didn't really see the point in leaving. Yeah, no. And I think if you're at a place that you really like, you have great coworkers, a great work environment, and you're valuing, you know, caring for yourself in that time, I think that makes a world of difference. And you're probably doing better at your job because you're putting yourself first there rather than going somewhere else, starting over essentially in a time when you're not in the headspace to do so. So it sounds like that was the perfect decision for you at that time. Absolutely. And there were so many aspects of my life outside of work that I sort of restarted during the pandemic. The last two years, like I said, there was just so much going on for me personally. Um, And I'm glad I came out of it as I did. I'm, I'm in a very good place now. But Again, a lot of that stuff was out of my control. This was one thing that I could control. And that was very important for me. Well, I am very happy to hear that you feel like you're in a better place. That is amazing. So now I'm going to ask a question that I feel like anyone that hears, okay, this guy works at Google. He's been at Google for a while. He got his foot in the door. He drank the Kool-Aid. I think everyone probably wants to know, how did you get this job? Maybe not even how you got it, but if somebody were to ask you, Dan, how do I work at Google? Answer that question (laughs) in the simplest way, because we all know it's one of those companies that people strive to be at, and I think it's for good reason. At least from what I've heard, I'm not at Google, But from what I've heard, they do have a great company culture, they care about their employees, and the jobs themselves feel like they make an impact in a pretty substantial way. You know, we use Google all the time. So again, if somebody were to ask you at a career fair or at an informational interview, what would you tell them? I would tell them my personal experience. It's definitely relationships. Obviously, you need the skill set to get in. Um, You need to develop your skills and make sure that you're on point because it's hard enough to get in. You've got the best and brightest in the world trying to get into this company. But I go back to relationships because at each agency that I worked at, you know, we worked with people that worked at Google and they helped us in roles similar to mine now to help us understand more of the platforms and understanding reporting and all those different things for our clients. So when it came time to the application process, you know, in addition to the lady I talked about earlier who hired me and was working there now, there were a lot of people that I worked with over the years who saw my name, knew my name, and were like, oh, hey, Dan is cool. Like, he knows his stuff. You know, we would love to work with him here. Like, definitely help push his name through. So for me, I think that was ultimately what helped push it over the top. Um, I'll, I'll never know for sure because it's largely a black box, which is fine. Um, 
that like it's not everyone needs to know every aspect of of that process and i certainly don't but um definitely knowing the right people knowing how to network with the right people and just sort of um be, being willing to you know take those conversations to people that you think can help you and you can help them too like what can you bring to them that can help you know push their careers forward so i again i i've got to you know attribute it to the relationship building that i did over the years that's great and i will just say for our listeners dan does that on the other side as well he is great at being at the other side of the relationship like i said He's given me a lot of his time, a lot of his resources, a lot of his knowledge, which you don't always find in everybody. So I think even possibly you learning that from other people has helped you be, you know, like I said in the intro, you're a genuinely great human too, which is an insanely good quality. You know, we can't just be good at our jobs. We can't just be ambitious. We also have to be great humans. (laughs) So... I think that's a really great quality that's probably gotten you very, very far. At least that's what I think. I really appreciate that. That's a really, it's a really kind thing to say. And to that point, I think one thing for me when I was, you know, coming up out of college and kind of figuring my stuff out is that I didn't really have anyone to go to from a mentorship standpoint, Um, out like any peers, any sort of you know, people to reach out to necessarily. I think part of that was I was definitely a bit more timid at the time, didn't really know how to like speak up for myself in a number of ways. And I was always, you know, afraid of rejection. Like, oh, what if this person doesn't respond to me on LinkedIn, doesn't respond to my email, so on and so forth. So I didn't have that guidance. So when you reached out to me three-ish years ago, I, I was excited because one, I was like, wow, like I'm at a point where people want to talk to me. That's that's kind of cool. But two, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, people that are coming to me and are genuine about it have a resource that you know I didn't have. And, you know, now that I'm older, just definitely people that I talk to and help keep my, my thoughts straight and help figure things out. But it makes so much of a difference when you're in your early to mid 20s because those are the formative years of your career. And, you know, obviously your career is going to go a very long time, but it's just so hard to figure that stuff out on your own when you've been just in school for 18 plus years. School doesn't prepare you for the workforce. Um, The only thing that can prepare you for the workforce is actual workforce experience, which most 22 year olds might not have. And, uh, you know, talking to people who have done it. And so, I, I was just so happy that you reached out because I wanted to, you know, help you in any way that I could. Well, that's one of the greatest qualities about you. And I think that's something that's really important for people to hear too. Whatever side you're on for that, whether you're the one cold emailing people or the ones receiving the cold emails, I think it's really important to remember that at one point we were all in the same boat. Whether you're in that boat now or you were once in that boat, At one point, you didn't know how you were going to start your career. You didn't know what steps to take. You didn't know how to reach out to people. Everything was once brand new. So I think I'm just starting to get people to kind of reach out to me, 
which is really exciting because it's something that I think is really important for all of us to share. Shared knowledge is incredible. We can all learn so much from each other and we can all progress our careers and personal lives forward when we do so. So I think that's really great that you've been able to do that. And I know not just for me, for other people as well, which is really amazing. For you personally now, you have people telling you you're in such a great place in your life, such an aspirational career, all of this stuff. Do you feel like you are where you thought you would be five years ago? Yes. Yes. And the reason why is because I told myself that I was going to be in a position like this when I was 23. Um, So I got this job when I was 26, almost 27. And I had told myself when I was, it was 22, 23, I don't remember. But point is, is that at that time, because I was so in my own head about my first job and not making a lot of money and wondering what the heck I was doing, I told myself, hey, I am going to advance to a big job where I'm making impact. I want to be making six figures by the time I'm 27. I want to be making an impact by the time I'm 27. And this is going to happen. And I'm not going to not allow it to happen. And just keeping that front of mind always really pushed me forward. It really, you know, you know, use the term manifesting, for example. I think that's really the strongest example of that happening in my life. Um, because if you're keeping that top of mind, you're always aligning your actions in many different aspects of your life towards achieving that goal. And you're doing it unconsciously in many cases. And so when the goal comes up and you get it, it's that much more gratifying because you have been planning for this, you've been working towards it, and all of a sudden it's here. And you know, you might think, hey, maybe I'm not worthy, maybe you know, imposter syndrome or it was handed to me. Never think that. You did not get handed this job. You deserve to be there. I got over that really quickly because I was just like, I had to remind myself, like, I am awesome at what I do and I'm very confident. Why would I be an imposter here? They clearly saw something in me that they wanted. I knew that I had something that they wanted. So let's do it. Let's create a fruitful partnership. That's a great reminder to people that do struggle with imposter syndrome. You did work hard to get where you are. And I know a lot of other people did too. There was another part of that that you just spoke on that really stuck out to me. And that was the idea of success or the monetary success in your career. And I want to reach a little bit there and ask you, do you feel like there was ever a point where you had to make a decision of success in the way of monetary success over maybe following a passion or something that you maybe felt you were more aligned with personally? Do you feel like you ever had to make that decision? And if so, how did you make that decision? Or how did you allow yourself to have outlets elsewhere other than just your job to fulfill all of that? Yeah, I don't think I've had to make that decision professionally. I um, I obviously enjoy what I do. I've, I've been doing this for eight-ish years now. Um, it's a great role with a lot of room for growth, um, you know, all across this industry. Um, but... You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a passion and that's totally okay. I think people do get caught up on the idea of having to have your passion in everything that you do. 
And I do think that that's important. Um, but at the end of the day, that's not always going to come into play, you know, on a day-to-day job basis. It's just not realistic in some cases. So one thing that I appreciate is that this job allows me, you know, the work-life balance and, you know, the resources to be able to do things on the side that I really enjoy. Um, who knows if I will convert them into, you know, business opportunities at some point, but, you know, it gives me the freedom to pursue different endeavors that I might not be able to do if I was in a very high stress job, a very low pay job, you know, that kind of thing. It, it opens doors in that sense and gives you more of, you know, what they like to call time freedom. I think that's a really great perspective to have because you're right. A lot of what we hear now, I think in our world is you have to combine that passion with your job. And if you're not, you're not going to be satisfied. And I'm not really sure when that all started, but I think that's great if you do have that off the bat, like that's incredible. But I think also a lot of times people have changing passions, you know, they evolve. It doesn't necessarily start from when you're five years old and then translate automatically to your first job out of college or whether you didn't go to college, your first job just being a quote adult. So I think understanding that it doesn't always have to be a package deal. You can have your side projects that you care about just as much as your job, but one can make you money and one can be food for your soul. It doesn't all have to combine into one. So I think it's great that we're able to hear that perspective too from somebody that is successful, but still has things that they're very passionate about. So with that, I do want to get into that. I want to get into your passions. I want to hear besides your job, besides the thing that you love going to most days, not everybody loves their job every day. We all know that, okay? But aside from that, what are some of your passions? There's a couple of things that I've really, really kind of helped me decompress and are an outlet. Um, One of them is that I, you know, dun, 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 like to... DJ for fun. I've been doing this for 10 years now. Um, I started it when I was in college at USC. And it was always kind of an artistic outlet, a way for me to deal with stress and anxiety and to some extent depression, because that's something that I've, you know, frankly struggled with over the course of my adult life. And whenever that is, you know, starting to creep up again, I look down, I have my DJ equipment, I have these headphones, and I am, you know, able to lose myself in the music, you know, mixing beats and going deep into it. It it really does provide a, you know, a cathartic release for me. Another one that I really picked up during the pandemic is hiking. And I don't mean like LA hiking, not looking at Griffith Park, like we're not walking up a dirt incline here to see a view. I'm talking about like backcountry hiking, doing really big, like, you know, all day type hikes and things like that. Um, it's helped me kind of reconnect with nature. I've always been an outdoorsy type of guy, grew up fishing with my dad, love being in the outdoors in the mountains. Um, it's helped me kind of recenter myself after, you know, a long period of stress. Um, and just being out in nature, getting that vitamin D from the sun, seeing other really enthusiastic, happy people on the trail. And that sense of accomplishment when you reach the top of a mountain after walking up that trail for, gosh, I don't know, six or seven hours, 
is incredible. I mean, don't get me started though on the way back because then you gotta walk another five hours down. So that's not fun. But the point is getting to the top is always such an accomplishment. You're on top of the world. You really test the limits of what your body can do and more importantly, what your mind can do. And I've always been sort of an all or nothing type of person when it comes to stuff outside of work. I really like to push myself because it helps me turn my brain off in a way that helps me disconnect from you know the stresses and rigors of the day-to-day job. So I, I would say that like something like that is fairly intense, but for me, it brings so much joy and helps me, you know, kind of reset myself. I think the reset is probably one of the most important things with passions, whether they're projects or a hike like that. Are there any hikes that you're like, I need to do this hike in my life? There's quite a few. I, I really want to do Half Dome. Um, I, I got to get in, got to get in really good shape for that one. Cause that one is tough. Um, there's some more hikes around Southern California that I want to do since I live in LA. Um, they, I, w- what we have here is called the six pack of peaks, which are the six tallest mountains in Southern California. I've done three of them thus far. I did one of them last summer. Um, and that one took, gosh, we got on the trail at 6:45 and got back to my car at 5:30. So it was a full day. Um, I was exhausted and, um, the next day I slept for about 14 hours, but you know, it was worth it. So there's still a few that I need to do. Um, I need to work my way up to some of them because these are not easy hikes, but again, they're just so fulfilling. It's so much fun. That's amazing. That is truly amazing. I cannot imagine doing hikes that big based on what you're making them sound like. I mean, I'm a person that likes being outside and getting some exercise, but that is quite the commitment. I think that's incredible. Do you find that with these passions that you have, do you find it hard to balance both your passions and your career? Or do you feel like you've allowed yourself enough space to basically balance it all at this point in your life? I think I have a solid balance thus far. I, I For the DJing part in particular, though, I really delve into that only when I have like a really strong creative spark. And sometimes I'm just not feeling it, which kind of sucks. So it really depends on my mood. And, you know, if I've had like a crappy day or crappy week, I'm not going to want to jump on the decks and start you know, mixing things together. Um, from a hiking standpoint, that one's a little easier. The challenge is finding people who are willing to go with me. But <laughs> back to <laughs> but, but it, bringing that back to like the the work side of things. Um, I, I do think that I allow myself room for both. And, you know, I'm always talking about it at work. Like I, I have a number of people at work that I'm close with. I, you know, try to recruit them to hikes. You know, I recruit them to come see, you know, shows, DJs with me and whatnot. And it, it, it ultimately, it, it almost melds together. It, it's, it's kind of nice. That's pretty special because being able to combine those worlds is a pretty unique thing, I think. Even being able to talk to your coworkers about it and then get them to do it with you, that's incredible. It really is bringing the two worlds together. Yeah. That's great. I want to ask now, because it seems to us here that you do have your life pretty together. All right, so we have some questions that are kind of more advice questions. 
again, informational interview. Somebody is trying to get to where you are or at least just trying to get as secure in their career and in their passions as you are currently. So what is one piece of advice that you would give somebody if they were to just ask you point blank, how do I get to exactly where you are right now in your career? And I kind of mean that in the mental state of it too. Like being as secure as you are, being as confident in what you do as you are, and being able to balance it all so well. I would say there's a couple of things. One is become an expert in your field. Like know your craft inside and out, you know, make sure you understand, you know, the platforms that you're working with, the clients that you're working with, their, their business needs, make yourself indispensable. That is so important. And while anyone can do the job, it's the soft skills. It's, it's, it's as much the soft skills as it is the hard skills that really make people indispensable. So you're going to know your platforms, you're going to know whatever it is that, you know, in your job that, you know, you do day to day, but then how do you translate that information to your clients in an effective way? That is so, so important. And the other thing is be willing to eat, you know, um, to eat it for a few years when you're first out of school. And I, I know everyone says pay your dues and all of that. I, I don't necessarily agree with that anymore, but the real, like the reality of the of you know the world is that most jobs coming out of school aren't going to be great, and I, I definitely had to have a mental reset when I came into my first job in terms of expectations and um, you know what I wanted to get out of it and you know salary and just you know happiness and whatnot. I, I quickly had to understand that like yeah I went to this great school I've been good at everything that I've done thus far. Now I'm being knocked on my butt because I'm in a place where everything is brand new and I, I don't know what the hell is going on. So you definitely have to be willing to, you know, to a certain extent, accept certain situations. Obviously don't accept a situation that's toxic or is not conducive to success and, and whatnot. But um, that first job or even just, you know, any sort of experience right off the gate is it, it might not be what you expected, and it's unfortunate, but it's how you approach that situation that will ultimately inform your future success. Um, because for me, like I said, I got through that job, I got through that commute, I got through making you know not very much money, and you know after that, I told myself if I can get through this, I can get through just about anything, you know. So. That, that is probably the second biggest piece of advice I'd give there. That's all really, really great advice. And you talk about managing those expectations for yourself, which brings me to my next question. What is one thing that you personally wish that you knew going into your specific career, aside from the advice that you just gave? Just kind of one thing, even just about the job, that you wish you had had that knowledge that you wouldn't have been able to get in school and you also wouldn't have been able to get until you did the job? What's one thing that you wish that you knew? That's a great question. I think that would be, probably it would lean more on the soft skills side 
because, you know, dealing with clients, you know, right off the bat as someone straight out of college, that's very intimidating. And I think I wish I knew how to speak to their needs better and understand and anticipate their concerns better. I, I think that in the modern day, and by the modern day, it's, it's only been eight years since I graduated college, but so much has changed in those eight years. I think there's a lot more resources available to young people who are coming up and trying to figure out their way in the world. Um, I, I think that there's a lot more opportunities for people to go in armed to these situations at a much younger age than maybe I would have had. But I, I do wish I had more of that knowledge and you know, understanding. And maybe that would have been, that could have come from like a business school type of background. I didn't go to business school and I'm personally not considering an MBA at the moment, but the skills that I have are, you know, just purely skills that I've developed over the years of, you know, dealing with various types of client situations. And, you know, no matter what job that you're in, you're going to deal with some sort of client, whether that's someone at an external company that you're helping consult with like me or someone at your company that you're working with to get a project pushed through. Um, you're going to have to know how to anticipate their needs and their wants and also learn how to speak their language because not everyone's at the same level of expertise about the particular thing that you're working on them with as someone else. So you can't just assume that, you know, you're the expert, you're going to tell them like it is. You can't just assume that that is going to land with them in the way that you need it to in order to influence them to, you know, give you more money or, you know, implement a new strategy. That is excellent advice for really any client facing role, I think, and definitely something that I wish I knew a bit more about, too, before starting my career. I want to know what you feel success means to you and how you've seen it portrayed in your life the most. And of course, you are still very young in your career and even in your life, right? There's still so much for you to do, but you are in a successful point. You have been successful, but maybe what I think is successful about you wouldn't be necessarily what you think is successful about you. So please tell our listeners here, how do you define success and how do you feel it is portrayed in your life? Gosh, that's that's also a great question. How do I define success? Um, I would say for me, it's it's kind of an ever evolving answer. So to take a step back, you know, I'm, you know, obviously always thinking about what I want next in my career. And, you know, I don't know necessarily what that next step is right now, but I would say in its current iteration, having achieved that goal that I set at 22 is such a large measure of success for me because there are so many things that came out of that. I was able to upgrade so many aspects of my life in a positive way. I was able to get into a massive company that has so much influence, able to meet some of the smartest people that I've ever worked with and so on and so forth. That in and of itself constitutes so much success because it sets the table for future success in whatever you know path that I choose to go down. Um, it's again, like I said, it's an evolving concept for me. But if I had to put a definition on it right now, I would say that's probably it. 
That's amazing. And like I said, I find you to be incredibly successful because of all those reasons, but also because of so many more. But you talk about those next steps in your career and you don't really know what they're going to be yet. But what are some steps that you feel you're going to take and maybe other people can hear from this if they're thinking about whatever they're doing right now, whether they're really happy in their career or whether they're trying to take the next step? What are steps that you go through mentally to make sure that you're at the right place still or that it's time to move on or that you want to progress within the company that you're at? Well, I mean, it wouldn't make sense if I gave advice and didn't take it for myself, right? So I think one big thing for me was also, you know, mentorship. Maybe not even necessarily always mentorship, but knowing to reach out to people and who to reach out to. Um, you know, I'm always trying to set up, you know, meetings just to just to talk. Not I'm obviously not fishing for anything. I just, you know, like to get the lay of the land. But meetings with friends in the industry, meetings with people at my company, you know, people are always very willing to talk. People are always willing to talk about themselves um, as I sit here talking about myself. <laughs> but it is true. And, you know, particularly when you've cultivated relationships or have expressed um, interest in something that someone does that's that's unique. And, you know, you, you express to them why, you know, you, you want to talk to them and, you know, so on and so forth. You know, people tend to you know, take an interest in that. Um, the worst thing someone can do is say no. Uh, just shoot them an email, shoot them a LinkedIn message. Whatever means of communication you have, just do it because that's what I do. There's no shame in it. Just, you know, if, if you do feel that way, um, you know, it, 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 can only, it can only help you by reaching out to folks. So that's kind of what I do. And I, I try to keep a regular cadence with a number of different people, both at my company and then, you know, friends outside of it as well. And for somebody that maybe has that initial lack of confidence of being able to reach out to people or are scared of that no, kind of like you said, you were when you came out of college, you weren't necessarily ready to just go and talk to anybody and pitch yourself. How did you get over that? Is it just a hurdle that you kind of had to say, okay, get over it? Or do you feel like there were some things that made you more confident? I mean, I had to build myself up. I had to, you know, recognize my power, recognize my worth and make sure that I could project that when I was talking to other people. And that came over time. It took, you know, a couple of years in the workforce and understanding how to navigate the workforce. But, you know, something else that, you know, my parents always told me growing up and um, is that you have to work twice as hard for half as much. And this is something that I can tell you that probably every black parent has ever told their child for many reasons that, you know, that would be a whole other podcast. But it is something that has always resonated with me to this day and informs the way I go about my work. And that is just another aspect of it. Reaching out to people, knowing that, you know, you might be rejected, but, you know, there's other people that are out there that are willing to talk to you. And also knowing your worth. That goes back to, you know, being the expert in your field, bringing that knowledge, bringing that that, you know, that that expertise to your clients and to the folks that you work with at your job. It's so important. And developing that and developing your confidence in reaching out, I think they kind of go hand in hand. The people that are already confident about that, that's awesome. I, I wish I was at that point. And 
I would love to hear, you know, how people develop that confidence off the bat or if they're naturally like that. I think that's really cool and can provide a lot of value to folks that are trying to figure out how to find their way in this world. But for me, you know, it's a bit more of a manual process, but I got there. That confidence is key, but even your story about how you got it to get there is amazing because it is hard to portray confidence. It is hard to get yourself to work hard sometimes. Not everyone wants to pitch themselves all the time. People sometimes prefer that it's easy, and a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's less easy for certain people, and recognizing how you can turn all of those things into something that works for you. And also I think one thing that I wanna say is that if you're in an interview, something that I live by, and this isn't just for interviews, it's also if you're reaching out to people on LinkedIn, whatever it is, similar to what you're saying, that you have so much to offer, in an interview, you have to remember they need you just as much as you need them. You know, if you put that mindset forward, it'll get you really far because you do have to be really confident in your skills. You've you've done these things. You've gotten this far. Yeah. And you specifically, Dan, too. It's incredible. It really is incredible. Everything that we've heard from you today, all of these things, it's been an inspiration to me for the past three years. It continues to be an inspiration to me. I know that people listening to this are going to be like, this guy is awesome. <laughs> he has everything figured out. Maybe he doesn't think so, but we think so. <laughs> it's it, I'm all you know. I'm I'm a work in progress, as we all are. I, I don't want to say that I've had it, that I've got it all figured out, because then that slows my progress. When there's always more things to to conquer, more things to learn. So that is an excellent point. So I am so grateful that you are on this podcast today. And I want to ask one more thing before we close out this interview. I just want to know, and you may not even have this, but do you have a phrase or a quote that you live by that you feel like has gotten you to the next day, day by day? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's what I said in, in my previous statement about working twice as hard for half as much. Um, that really does resonate for me because it reminds me that like, hey, you know, there are opportunities that other people are being presented that I might not be presented with, or people might not consider me as strongly um, because of historical historical inequities and whatnot. So it just let me put myself in that position. I, I've got to I've got to work hard. I want to you know bust down doors. I want to make sure that you know you know people who are following in my footsteps who look like me have as much opportunity as I do. It's like, there's definitely a sense of responsibility there. And it also helps push me in my day-to-day job as I try to get to the next level. Um, and that's kind of how I've operated since I was, I was young. I, you know, in high school and growing up in elementary, middle school, you know, I definitely was like, I was a kid who got good grades, but I had to work my butt off for those good grades. I, I, I consider myself a smart kid, but I had to work to get those grades. And I applied myself in ways that I knew that a lot of my classmates weren't applying themselves. So it helped me get to the top. Well, I will say you are busting down those doors. You are continuing to bust down those doors. And I know we are going to see so many doors busted down by you in the future. 
So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today, to share your expertise, to share your knowledge, to share your words. This has really been incredible. I'm so grateful that you were willing to do this and to be guest number one, episode one. This is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing how this podcast grows and seeing who else you get on here. This is such an awesome project. And I, I'm, I'm just really happy to see you take it by the horns. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Dan. This is Excuse My Reach podcast. You can find us on all the major streaming platforms. Listen, download, share, do all the things. We will hear from another amazing guest very, very soon. But until then, everyone have a great rest of your day. Be kind to those around you. And don't be afraid to reach a little higher.